This is the Novel Marketing Podcast. I'm James L. Rubart. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And this is the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. So, Jim, I heard the other day that uh, your last name is actually French and should be pronounced Roubault. <laughs> so you're James Roubault. <laughs> is that true? Well, you get to call me that and Darcy, but nobody else. Okay. <laughs> well, Mr. Roubault, today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, lessons we can learn from the music industry. In many ways, uh, the music industry is several years ahead of the publishing yeah, industry. Right. They, they had to deal with free things on the internet far sooner and they went digital sooner. And so looking at the music industry is an opportunity for us to look into the future and skate to where the puck is headed rather than to where the puck is right now or for many authors where the puck was 20 years ago. <laughs> um, not, not to name any names or any publishing companies. Uh, so uh, the most successful musician of 2014, I think without a doubt, is Taylor Swift. Oh my and, gosh, the awards that... It's that like, lady won. Which it's ones like, did she win? All of all them. Of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and she's the first person to go platinum in a long time. Lots and lots of sales. So what can we learn from Taylor Swift? And how can we be, some of our listeners, be like Taylor Swift in two, three, four, five years? Yeah, this is interesting because some of the things, the scale at which she is performing on uh, certainly is not the scale where 99% of us are performing on it. And yet we can take some of the things she's done and make them micro make them work on on the scale that we're interacting That's with right. readers and what's making her successful now is the same thing she was doing yes. before she was big yes and she's just doing them better and she's been doing them persistently and now it's finally paying off yes and so just because you don't get the same results doesn't mean that you're not doing the right things and sometimes it results take time i know you hate to hear that you know it's like get rich quick you know <laughs> basically taylor swift had this red button in her bedroom one day it was on her guitar and it's like become famous she pushed it and money just Boom, started, and falling. It started falling in so yeah. um how can we, what are some things that Taylor's doing right that we can copy? Well, one of the first things she's doing, and this is, I guess, the point of this podcast, is she has taken control of her own career. I did not know anything about this gal. I really didn't. I mean, I was aware of her, but I didn't know anything are about... Are you saying you're an old fogey? <laughs> <laughs> or that you're not a teenage I'm girl? I'm not into country music, <laughs> and I'm not a teenage girl. And I thought that's all she was, was just a teeny bopper, you know, teenage girl uh, type, had that kind of appeal. And had never listened to any of her music. And saw I saw a 60 Minutes interview with her. And that was back in 2011. And when I saw that interview with her, I realized, oh my gosh, this is an incredibly bright young lady who has taken control of her career. I thought she was just somebody sent her the songs and she sang them. Right. She was she she's, was the face. She's right? managed by some yes. genius and she's yes. just the puppet. And far 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 from it she is involved in every marketing decision what a brochure looks like what a poster looks like what the album cover looks like and she is asserting her opinion and so the 60 minute profile made me realize this is somebody that says you know what i realize marketing is part of the game and the only person that believes in me more than me does not exist right? <laughs> that she needed to be in there i believe in my books more than anybody else thomas uh, and so I need to be integrally involved in my marketing. So I guess the first lesson is you have to be as intimately involved in your marketing as you are 
in writing your books. Yeah. And she sees the marketing as part of her job. Yes. I was right. watching an interview uh, that she did uh, with MTV and it was really remarkable how she was looking at the big picture and looking about more than just the music that she's performing, but creating experiences for her fans and how to compete with herself. She's like, my shows, everyone's already seen them online. So how do I create an experience for people when they come live or there's still something special there? And the temptation is, oh, that's my manager's job. I just get on stage and do good right. music right. and that's all I do. And I don't mess with all of the rest of it. And it's not that she does all of the tasks, right? She's got a whole team around her, but she's there making decisions Yes, because her music studio, even though she's the big fish there, they're not going to be able to manage her as well. And they don't understand her as well as she understands her. That's right. Uh, the second thing I guess I would say about her is she is willing to be transparent. And this is the hardest thing for any of us in life, right? We don't want to air the dirty laundry. We don't want to let people know we're flawed and we fail. And it, and yet what happens when we're vulnerable and honest and talk about being flawed is what happens? People love us even more. When you find out this person was an alcoholic and they've overcome their alcoholism and they've been sober for 20 years, what do you think about that person? Oh my gosh, they overcame probably one of the toughest things you could ever overcome. And we actually feel closer to them. That's right. And when we write our novels, we are told again and again, you have to have flawed characters. The superhero who never suffers, you can't relate to him. And yet in our own lives, we want to present this perfect image. And so I, I, I guess Taylor Swift really does well saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just like you. Yeah. Another musician who really embodies that really well is Lecrae. Lecrae is the first Christian musician in history to have a song or an album, I think, number one on the Billboard list and on the Christian Billboard list at the same time. So it, it never happened before. And Lecrae, one of his defining characteristics is his radical transparency. I mean, he sings about his own failings. Which in hip hop <laughs> is remarkable. Right, right. <laughs> he's not talking about what a badass he is. He's talking about what a broken person he is yeah. and how much he is in need of Jesus Christ yeah. to save him. And that is just so different. And it's so um, that humility is really attractive. And yeah. that's the one thing that um, humility is not thinking necessarily that you're a bad person. It's not thinking about yourself. It's thinking about others instead. And I think this is something that Taylor does really well. She's very like fanatically fan focused she she exactly she's fan focused and she's vulnerable in that in, in being fan focused in other words darcy and i have play this game you probably do it too thomas where you go okay we're having a dinner party and we can invite anybody in the world to come over and sit down and have dinner and there's some people on those that list where you go oh i'd love to have them in because you feel like even though they're incredibly famous they're a real person right and and that's the type of person taylor swift is where there's some movie stars where you go wow i really like their acting they're great but i'd never have them over for dinner they're they're not a real person so she does that incredibly well Thomas, what else does she do well? Uh, the next thing that she does well is that she uses every channel differently. So, uh, and again, talking, going back to authors, uh, often I see authors just spamming Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and you know Google Plus, whatever the network is, with the exact same messaging. Yeah, and they just kind of it's each one, or even worse. They set them up to automatically share. So they post on Facebook and automatically send a tweet, automatically does all these things. 
And it's just like, oh, you don't get it. <laughs> this is this is a community, right? The way that you act when you're at a party with your friends is different when you the way you act with a party with your kids, which is different again than a formal family meeting or gathering or like Christmas dinner. Like, there's different social norms. There's different modes of behavior, which is different again from when you're camping, right? Yeah, you're out camping right. with the guys. There's a whole set of Absolutely. behaviors that are expected in normal. And in you're going to dress differently. You're going to talk differently. It's it's exactly. And so essentially what uh, Taylor's doing is she's like I'm going to be I'm going to adapt my messaging for Twitter and I'm going to be reaching Twitter people where they are instead of where I am and I'm going to be different on Tumblr because I realize Tumblr attracts a different kind of person so what's happening is each social network really has its own personality its own set of norms and behaviors that are appropriate and rewarded and when you show up and you don't know those norms you really look like that Amway guy who's just pushing in business cards and saying bye, 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 and people have to roll their eyes and they ignore you. Taylor's not that way. You know, she didn't get to 47 million followers on Twitter by accident and not by being boring and not by saying, buy my new CD, buy my new CD. So that's not what she's talking about. Maybe she sent one tweet out about her CD, maybe a handful, but that's not why people follow her. Another thing she does really well is, and is really hard to do, is she's willing to say no when her brand is devalued. Um, the classic marketing story that backs this up is when they introduced blue jeans to Japan. When they first introduced blue jeans to Japan, they wanted to make a splash in the market and they wanted to get those jeans out to a lot of people so that the word could spread. And so what they did is they priced them at five bucks a pair. Well, what happened is nobody bought the blue jeans. A marketing guy that knew what he was talking about came in he says take them off the shelves let's let some time pass let's reintroduce the jeans at $30 a pair and they flew off the shelves because suddenly they had value there was something there that said oh, they're 30 bucks they must be worth something I'm going to buy them that's right you have to resist commodity thinking when you're not selling a commodity so if you're selling gasoline there's no reason to pay more for gasoline at the one station rather than the other because the gasoline literally comes from the exact same truck or the exact same pipe. You know, they try to make it sound like it's different, but in reality, it's not different. So the only differentiating factor is price. But for other things that are not commodities, it's just the opposite. People want the nicer clothes that, you know, they'll pay more for the logo from this, you know, fancy clothes company, even though those clothes come from the exact same factories in Bangladesh. Like the factory in Bangladesh that makes the $200 shirt is the same factory that makes the $100 shirt. In fact, often the cheaper clothes are actually of higher make. I was talking with a professional dry cleaner. He's like, oh yeah, that really expensive name brand stuff is often the most poorly made clothes because they know it's only going to be fashionable for the short window and so they wow. don't have to build the clothes to last. And that's not what people are buying on. They tell themselves it's because it's for the quality. But right. it's really, I mean, the perfect example of this is I'm going to buy jeans with holes torn in <laughs> <laughs> that's a great example yeah exactly like, look at this you're gonna pay more for jeans with holes <laughs> like, absolutely two hundred dollars for those jeans discounted to hundred <laughs> so it's a bargain <laughs> it's a bargain to get ripped up jeans and, and so you have to realize as an author you are not selling a commodity you may be if you're doing cheap romance and it's one of these like subscription right. things or it's like a new rom romance novel every every week and they're all the same. That's probably the closest thing we have to like truly commodity writing. But um, if you are doing anything unique, anything special, anything more than that, then you can't think like a commodity and you can't 
price yourself accordingly. Now, it's not to say there's not a time to go free and not a time to go cheap, but you need to do it in a way that doesn't devalue you as a brand. Yeah, and that's value what your product. You are selling, and we sh- we can do a whole we should do a whole podcast on this. I think we will. We say that a lot. We do say that a lot. <laughs> which I guess there's more episodes to come. Um, but you're selling emotion. You are selling an emotion not a product. Starbucks is the classic example. It's an 800-year-old commodity, right? And they're saying, selling an emotion at Starbucks much more than they're selling coffee. That's right. So the way that Taylor did this was she took her songs off of Spotify. Right. So Spotify had free music. It's a great way for artists to get discovered. If you're a musician, you want to be on Spotify because people listen to your music on Spotify. They can then buy it on iTunes later if they want. And Spotify pays you a little bit just for the listen. So you get a piece of the advertising revenue taylor realized that her um what she was selling was art and that it was in demand enough that if she didn't put it on spotify people would still buy it and that's not true for everyone in fact that's not true for pretty much everyone else but it was absolutely true for taylor right she sold over a million copies of her album and the kinds of teenage girls that want to listen to taylor swift are willing to pay the ten dollars or fifteen dollars to buy the album on itunes and then be able to listen to it whenever they want. And so that worked for her. Again, we're wanting you to copy her thinking, not necessarily copy that's, her tactics. That's right. And, and not Harvey Pinnock wrote a famous book, the best-selling book of all time on golf instruction, actually, called The Little Red Book. And in it, he has a great line where he says, if I tell you to take an aspirin, do not take the whole bottle. So, <laughs> so, so, in other words, guys would get this swing tip, and then they would just, you know, rely, that would be their whole focus of their golf swing, and it would ruin their swing. In the same way, we're not saying, now you have to charge for everything, and you have to say no to everything. There's a time to give it away for free, but there's also a time to say, you know what? I created this short story as an ancillary product to my novel. Sorry, you got to pay for that. Other times you give that story away to build, say, an email list, but you don't always give it away and you don't always charge for it. It's a balance. That's right. And Taylor did that same thing. I, I believe I got one of her songs for free through the Starbucks app on my iPhone at one point. She was the free song for that week or for that month. And that's great promotion. That's using free strategically. Uh, what's something else that she does? Her, her product is certainly inspirational, but the other thing about her product is it's unexpected. Um, you know, with Shake It Off, this was the lead single from 89. Swift played totally on the conventions of music videos. And instead of being the star of the video and all the moves are perfect and all this, she was the dork. She was the one that could not figure it out, right? And I, I guess that's it's kind of back to that vulnerability thing, mm-hmm. that transparency thing. But it's also, oh my gosh, we haven't seen this before. That made people love her even more. And then she brings in a group of fans at the end of the video to dance with her. Oh my gosh, how can you not love this? She's someone that I can relate to. Yes. I've been in an awkward situation. You know, I've been felt like a loser socially. And the remember her target audience of teenage girls, where this is a very frequent, you know, teenage girls just swim in awkwardness, if you think, if you can remember high school. And so to be able to be like, wow, Taylor Swift is just like me. The next step is I'm just like Taylor Swift. Now I feel good as a teenage girl about listening to Taylor Swift because we have this in common and yet she's this very successful celebrity. And so she uses her celebrity to build people up rather than to push people down, which is very different from say a Mike Tyson kind of style of celebrity, which is a, I'm going to push everyone down. I'm going to be this superhero. Look at me. I'm awesome. And 
my recommendation for you is to embrace that Taylor Swift style of humble celebrity, which is a more lasting celebrity. There, there's a time for the Mike Tyson style, but right. culturally, I don't think that's very resonant right now. That's right. I totally agree with you. Um, it, it, so, and again, another a- application to us as authors is what can you do that's unexpected? What can you do to allow yourself to grow? The Beatles started off, the Beatles when they broke up in 69-70 were radically different if you listen to their albums and some fans were like what are you guys doing what happened just to the simple poppy love songs and yet they shaped culture in, in a way pop music at least culture in, in a way nobody else has so the question is what can you do that's different with your writing staying within the brand I think Taylor's definitely staying within her brand although right now she is evolving out of country and a little bit into even more of the mainstream but she's done that after massive success and the transition is not like she's going to heavy metal i guess that's right. the difference and and there's a difference between shifting your brand and expanding your brand so pop music includes country if you think right. of pop music is a big yes. circle country is a little circle inside of that that also overlaps outside so maybe there's some overlap and so she has grown out of country she's bigger than country <laughs> which is kind of crazy to say but her sales are just you know it would eclipse country music as a genre in the numbers that she's selling she's just selling crazy amounts of music and so the key to success and we've i've been focused on this for a long time is that you start with something small be faithful in the little things yeah. and then you grow so she couldn't have gone the other way yeah, I've been this pop music artist, and now I'm going to do country. It's like, no, those country people aren't going to accept you. Right. You have to. You, the, but she's brought country listeners into popular music yes. with her, and that can happen with your writing as you expand it, and you're not quite so focused on your niche as you were in the beginning. The final thing that she's done well is she has been really smart about her partnerships, and this might be an adjunct to saying no. She doesn't say yes to every partnership that comes along she's really intelligent about it takes her time and makes sure that partnership lines up with her brand because sorry you're guilty by association that's right even when she's picked on uh say at a music award she doesn't <laughs> respond in kind oh my god yeah oh my gosh <laughs> not yeah. to name any, any names or anything Kanye names. <laughs> Kanye West. excuse me um the finer thing and i know we're out of time but she's the master of maintaining the magic and mystery of her brand in this mystery of brand is something that i think it's very easy for you to lose as an author your, your temptation especially on social media is to be out there and to be very transparent and there's a way to have that tension between transparency and mystery um it's uh it's kind of a, a dress a dressing attractively as opposed to dressing in a way that's just very immodest right there's a way to show too much right, <laughs> right. and you want to have people curious uh so I guess the easiest way to talk about this is you want to talk about your book, but not in a way that gives away the mystery of your book. People know how your book's going to end. Even if they know what the lesson they're going to get when they hear about your book, it devalues the book a little bit. It's that that discovery and that mystery of like, oh, oh my gosh. You know, those moments of aha, you can totally take away from your book through your marketing. Your marketing can actually devalue your book if you're not careful, but it can also amplify it. And you want to play into that when you're promoting your book. When you write a novel, you are taught to foreshadow. And you are taught not to give all the way, not to drop all the crumbs, the Hansel and Gretel crumbs, but drop a few crumbs along the way. So people are following this going, I got to see where the crumbs lead. I got to see where the crumbs lead. So you foreshadow. You know how to do that in your novels. Do the same thing. If you're on an... uh, 
for example, if you're being interviewed, let's just make up an example. You're being interviewed on a blog or a talk show, uh, that type of thing, or you're even just writing your own newsletter. You drop in the fact that you're writing a movie script based on one of your books. You could say it that way, or you could say, I'm writing a movie script based on this specific novel. We're doing this and this and this with it. You can tell the whole thing. Well, that's not as intriguing as, as leaving just a shred of mystery. I wonder what book it is. Hey, they're going to follow up with you. They're going to, again, you're trying to have uh, that foreshadowing. You're trying not to give all the crumbs away. That's right. And so one of the ways Taylor did this on her cover, she has this very famous face. You know, she was all over the magazines for a long time. In her most recent album, she doesn't have her face on her album. It cuts <laughs> off. I get the nose. I'm like, what on earth? It's so different. It's like, why is she doing that? And right. with the name, it's just everything about it was very mysterious. And so, again, you want to copy the thinking, not copy the tactics. How can you incorporate an element of mystery, not just into your book and your book's marketing, but into your brand? What do you not want to talk about of your personal life? What do you want to keep private? What do you want to still cover with your clothes? <laughs> right. Okay, we are almost out of time, but... We put this episode together, just the framework of it, probably a couple months ago. And since then, something happened that Thomas talked to me about just last night that is incredibly powerful marketing. So Thomas, can you talk about so that? So Taylor has this practice that she does on social media called Taylorking, where she will pick a handful of people and will respond to them and repost their stuff that are like really hardcore fans. And she really gets to know them. So she doesn't engage with everyone. There's no way it's 40 million people. But she does for a few what she wishes she could do for the many. And she genuinely likes people. You get this impression whenever you hear her talk she's she's you get the impression she's an extroverted person who enjoys being with people and so for christmas she picked a bunch of her most passionate fans tailored and learned all about them so she saw facebook stalked them learned their kids names and their boyfriends names and all these things and then started sending them handwritten notes these huge handwritten notes with presents based off of their preferences that she her handwriting she her did handwriting it her presence she wrapped it everything she sent it and in, in one person again doing it for the few what she wishes she could do for the many she actually went to their house <laughs> with a bias like they think it's ups coming but really ups is me <laughs> so she'd schedule it make sure they're still there she knocks on the door they open the door and it's taylor swift with a box full of gifts for their family and she's like so how's and she's like knows the name of the baby and this just this lady's like burst you know cannot handle it you know she's so excited and so like how how is that beneficial for a brand one it makes her look awesome like i thought that was very clever but what made it work was that it was very genuine like you could tell she really enjoyed doing that she really enjoyed blessing those people and it was it was just this kind of special moment and it's a servant giving kind of marketing you know we've been talking about how do you get people to follow you You have to be a servant you know you give gifts it's all about giving gifts well she literally did that <laughs> it was like literally wrapped christmas presents she or hanukkah presents and she showed up and she gave them to those people and that video itself has now gone viral like it's like a kind of you know it's a, which is not a big surprise because you can really relate and there's a lot of video of other people opening these presents and it's mostly these girls and they're just weeping (laughs) just like oh my gosh i can't believe she noticed me you know that sort of thing and obviously you're not going to have that impact if you don't have that level of celebrity right like but again it's the tactics giving gifts to people and it may not be a wrapped present but giving and be having a giving spirit is very effective and 
being strategic in how you do that. So it's kind of interesting. The same year she stopped giving away her music for free on Spotify, she is giving specific gifts to specific people, maybe giving a song here and there on places like uh, iTunes. And so she's going back to what we started with. She's very cognizant and she's very much in charge. Like the whole giving gifts to people, that's not something I think that her music company would come up with as a promotional idea. That That's just too outside of their thinking. But it's very much the kind of idea Taylor would come up with because it's very much the kind of person that she is. And, and finally, Thomas and I were talking about this last night and he said, I have to admit, I just, she is, she has risen in my respect and opinion of her. Right. I'm not a big fan of like angsty teenage girl music. Like that's not exactly what I listen to. I've listened really? to, I, I, to, to be fair, I have some of her music. I've had some of her music for a long time, but I'm not a hardcore right. Taylor Swift fan. And I'm always kind of, cause she came from kind of country and like, did she sell out? You know, there's kind of this right. whole thing. And I didn't know what I thought of her as a person and other people that I really respected uh, for their success, I've now been like, oh, I don't really have a lot of respect for this person, like Justin Bieber. Yeah. And I really respected how he was able to use social media to go from nothing to Madison Square Garden, sold out concert in like 10 months with social media. It was quite remarkable right. use of marketing. But now he's just drugs and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I don't really like him. Um, but Taylor seems to... Uh, be doing a better job of having a brain that's that's focused on others and anyway my respect for her has gone up uh, i'm not a big fan of like popular music i listen to mostly subculture music but i think it is important for us in the publishing industry to watch the music industry very closely um and it's the temptation to watch the film industry but the film industry the money is just so big i mean you spend half a billion dollars on a series of movies that's just a different world whereas music there's a lot of artists a lot of musicians who are playing gigs at you know the local coffee shops right and they're growing from there which is just like you if you're an author who's just getting started and so learning from musicians and kind of realizing how music industry has shifted and musicians make money in different ways than they make money today there's more of them just like there's more authors will really help you be successful as an author This episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast has been brought to you by the Ultimate Crowdfunding Course for Authors. In other words, if you have considered trying to crowdfund your book uh, instead of write it and go that direction, this course will tell you how to do it, how to get the money you need to be able to write your book in advance, which can be a very, very good thing. In fact, Thomas is doing that right now for... um, for one of his books. And this course is done by Thomas and our friend Mary DeMuth. And here's the thing. Uh, Thomas has successfully done it. This course was crowdfunded. He's crowdfunded many projects and all of them have funded so far. So, so this is, this is, isn't theory. This is real life things that work. So if you're interested in that, where would they go, Thomas, to, to download that for themselves? Just go to authormedia.com slash crowdfunding or uh, novelmarketing.com slash crowdfunding. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have questions you want us to answer in a future podcast, we'd love to hear it. We'd also, what are your thoughts on Taylor Swift? Love her, hate her, don't ignore her. <laughs> um, you know, very different brand than Lady Gaga. I kind of feel bad that we talk about Lady Gaga all the time in terms of musicians. I'm a much bigger fan of Taylor Swift. But anyway, we want to hear from you. You can let us know at novelmarketing.com. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.